Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you. You listening to this podcast. The Dynasty Warzone this week is going to be split into two equal shows. There's going to be one on Tuesday, the 14th of January, and then part two will be Wednesday, the 15th of January. The show with Nick and Kane was so long and full of so much goodness, fun, and laughs that we decided to turn it into a two-parter. So if you're listening to part two, go back and listen to part one. And if you're listening to part one, you'll be able to listen to the other half on Wednesday. A little doubleheader action here on the Dynasty War Zone on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, for you to enjoy. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZ ring. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZ ring, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you wanna be the best in the game, you wanna have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZ ring, and let's have a big season. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. And tonight's topic, well, I wanted to do the, the current calculator value of third string tight ends and fullbacks, but Jerry said no. He said, let's get some good guests. Let's talk 2020 rookies. That's right. It's the 2020 rookie class. And speaking of Jerry, let's bring him on in here. He is the man of the hour and the man with the power. Jerry, what's up, buddy? Man, nothing. This is the intro for me is not nearly as important as for what we have going on. We uh, we just watched the Packers game literally before we hit the record button. And there's a whole bunch of NFC North in this uh in this party right now and one of our guests was a little more upset than the rest well we're going to get into all that and bring these guests in in just one second 
I uh, want to take a quick minute to tell everybody that the Patreon is live, so head over to patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone, where uh, this week, Mr. Jerry and I will be talking a little bit of rookies behind the scenes. I got a couple of other non-football topics in there, and, and the group chat continues to be crazy. We actually helped a couple of our Patreon members with some trades today. So it is trade season, not quite startup season yet. And uh, before we get going, two more quick things. Uh, Got to warn you, these are going to be some longer shows over the next couple of months. We normally run between 60 and 75 minutes, but there may be some 90-minute-ish type shows in the near future. That's because we've got so much rookie stuff. And remember, you, you, can, you can pause it, you can listen part of it at work, part of it at uh, the commute home, whatever you do. But just if you're used to that normal hour around lunchtime, hey, we got a lot to cover because we've got amazing guests during guest season. want to thank two people for dropping us two new five-star reviews. And uh, remember, we're going to have a nice little prize. Not by little, I mean large prize once we get to uh, 100 total iTunes five-star reviews. You can check out the social media at Dynasty Warzone on both Instagram and Twitter. But now all the business stuff is out of the way. Let's bring on our guests. Our first guest tonight is making yet another appearance in the zone. You know him as the Debbie Darlin because this guy has way too many jobs in this industry as a Debbie content provider. He is the man behind the Debbie Report and the graduates, as well as some new stuff going on uh, in his world. He's my buddy. You know him as Mr. Nick Whalen at underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter. Nick, welcome back, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, let's just point out that me and you met up over this last year, which I think before the last time that I was on the podcast. This is true. We had uh, done the podcast. It was January, February last year, rookie season. And then we just stayed chatting and chatting. We had some mutual interests like fitness. And we, we met just outside of Cincinnati where we hung out for a couple of days. We had you know had dinner and we went and ran in the Spartan race down there at a uh, a ski resort where you killed it. I, I don't know that that was probably one of our worst races, but uh, it, it's always better to meet people in the industry, um, and it just I think makes the professional relationship a lot you know more rich. I think because you know where people are coming from, you know their background, and in the end we're all people. But um, no, thanks for having me on. I, I think I need to give a little a shout out to. Uh, the two different companies that have, that have hired me recently. Uh, I'm really fortunate to um, get, you know, latched on with Dynasty Nerds. Uh, I'll be doing some Debbie stuff over there. Um, probably some film stuff as well. We're pretty excited with uh, Jared and Garrett. Uh, they're kind of headlining that film stuff. And then uh, I'll probably do some mentorship too. I mean, you had talked about Debbie Darling. I mean, I've been doing this. Uh, today, I took a, a time to look back over all of my Devi reports because me and Paul were talking. We, we did a pod this last week and I I didn't know how many Devi reports I've done. This is going to be year six. Like it was so weird. I remember being young in this industry and I'm not now. I'm like one of the old guys in the industry. So, you know, I took some time to do that and, you know, hopefully I can do some mentoring and, and help some young writers because, you know, I think that means more to me to help other people succeed than me succeed. Um, and then, yeah, I got last time with 444. You guys might know a guy named George Kritikos, he said, hey, we want to start doing some Dynasty stuff over there. And he didn't have to twist my arm too much because one, I love 444. I think that they're unbelievable, but get to work with George again. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, that's what I got going on. But thanks for having me on. I always like talking with you and Jerry too. Kane, I don't know so much. 
Well, you uh, what a coincidence. Uh, that, 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 that's not uncommon. And you mentioned meeting people in person. So last week, Izzy Elkafaz from the Dynasty Trade Calculator happened to be in Indianapolis, was kind enough to have sent me a DM, you know, trying to meet up for some dinner. But last week, I was so incredibly sick that it just was not possible, which was a bummer. But luckily, it sounds like he does a little bit of business here or there in Indianapolis. So we're going to try it up to meet up again in person because you're right. That is uh, one of the best things about doing this. And speaking of Kane. Hey, Randy. Yo. Okay. Sorry, I got to interrupt you quick. I want to give you a tip with Izzy, okay? Uh-huh. I, I mean, I've met the guy, I don't know, a dozen times at this point. To get in his good side, find a good ice cream place. Oh, I know that. I know that one. I, I know okay. that and, and, sure. and he's gonna, and, and then you're going to get on his really good side. So just find that good ice cream place and take him there, and then you're, you're in gold forever. I will. Uh, Jerry, that's a writer downer. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> And just, right. You'll get on my good side with ice cream, too. I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> I'm gonna buy you. I'll get on your good side with a new trucker hat. All right. Our, <laughs> our, our second guest tonight is making his debut in the Dynasty Warzone. And this guy is my guy. He's like the little brother I never wanted. He is the host of the Debbie Diet on YouTube, as well as Twitter and some other places. But please subscribe to his YouTube channel, The Debbie Diet. It is hilarious. Short little videos of him eating interesting potato chips and other things. Uh, he's a co-host on the Debbie Marketplace podcast, uh, which can be found on the FF Mercs podcast network. And he's been doing some writing for the DLF. Welcome for the first time, Mr. Kane Fossell. What's up? K- oh, at Debbie underscore Kane on Twitter. Yeah, so thanks for having me on. Um, I really like two of the people that are on here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure about Nick right now, but um, no, I, I really appreciate the invite. I'm um, recovering for what I believe to be the worst hangover I've ever had in my life. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all, but know that my all probably isn't great. So what you get is what you get from me. It's the same thing you get on Twitter. Um, so if you're a fan of, um, random rankings on food, you can always go to at Debbie underscore Kane. Um, and we can always talk about food or football. Um, I'm about 40% football, about 55% food, then 5% whatever stupid thing my wife says. Um, so really, that's my Twitter. Um, if you want to like talk about healthy things, go over to Nick's Twitter because I don't want to so, do that. So, so what, you're t- what you're saying is, is you don't want to be part of the group chat that like Nick, myself, Kamish McGriff, uh, Ray GQ, Ray. and a couple others, you know, we, we talk fitness on the reg. So you don't want part of that. You're not in. Yeah, I I totally talk about fitness, fitness pizza in my mouth. That's right. I we <laughs> I love the classics. That that's all I got. Like I'm, you know, after after playing college sports, the last thing I wanted to do was continue to work out. Uh, that might change, but uh, for now, I'm just gonna enjoy uh, eating potato chips and some really fun snacks, and then just talking about college players. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm really excited to have these guys, and we are gonna talk rookies. I just want to talk a little bit of news, so. Uh, over the course of the NFL playoffs, we're just going to talk about the teams as they're eliminated from the playoffs. So, and, rem- and we do know that the Cleveland Browns hired Kevin Stefanski, former offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings, as their new head coach. And we will jump into all the head coaches, the new offensive coordinators. Once they're filled, stay tuned. Somewhere around the end of the month of January, 1st of February, we'll jump on with a show with – a guest or two talking about how these new coaches and OCs will impact your players value from a dynasty perspective. So uh, I'm just going to throw this first one to Nick. 
Um, Nick, give me your dynasty takes on Baltimore uh, going into the offseason. Who are you buying? Who are you selling? What, what are you trying to pay, et cetera? I know this isn't what you wanted, but I, I just want to say one thing about this whole Kevin Stefanski thing. I don't mind the hire. It's just odd that they brought him in and don't have a GM yet. I just always find that a weird dynamic. Especially a new especially a new head coach. Right. Because I know teams have gotten away with it in the past. I think Seattle did this with Pete Carroll. I think Kansas City did it with, with Andy Reid. But those guys are experienced head coaches with, with, with a, a bit of a track record of success. And I just, and, you know, for Andy, it was more NFL. And for Pete, it was more NCAA at the time of those hires. But, yeah, I'm with you. Um, it's going to be real interesting in, in Cleveland, but that's a lot to unpack. So uh, tell me about their their division rival, the Dirty Birds, the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I kind of felt bad for them. I mean, Baltimore, you know, was sky high and, and kind of what happened to them the, the other night in the playoffs. But if you want to talk about just buying and selling a dynasty, I think it's pretty obvious with their offense. I mean, their tight ends are set. You get, you have what you have there. They're going to bring in some other wide receivers. I think they almost have to. Um, they might even bring in a running back. But their buy and sell for me in Dynasty is very obvious. Mark Ingram has to be out. He's my sell easily. He might be my biggest sell of the offseason. He just had an RB1 season. But if you look at his numbers, he scored all of his touchdowns. His biggest yardage games were early in the year. He wore down as the year went on. And you know what? I, I like Mark Ingram. I like that he came back from that bust mentality that people thought he was. Ended up having a pretty good career in the NFL. But he's 30. That's that number, right? And then you look, and he wore down. Is he going to be productive moving forward? I'm sure he'll have some production. But I don't think he's going to be RB1 production. So if you can sell him and get anything pretty solid for him, I would do it. And then my buy would be someone else in that backfield is Justice Hill was barely used and you just have to think like him and Darrell Henderson are kind of the same for me where they're they were brought in to be this weapon in this offense and they weren't utilized it was just odd and you think maybe after a whole offseason program and learning the playbook they're going to be finally utilized to catch the football which I went on Twitter today and talked about how much more advantageous it is to find pass catchers in the NFL than it is people that just run the football uh so I think Justice Hill would be my buy on that team I love it. Nick, excuse me, uh, Kane or Jerry, anything to add on Justice Hill, Mark Ingram, or the Ravens? Yeah, so I'm um, I'm not – I would sell Ingram, but I'm not buying Justice Hill. I'm actually going to buy the other guy in that backfield, and I'm going to buy the Gus bus. Um, 133 rushing attempts for 711 yards. That's over five yards a carry. Um, I think he's going to be cheaper than Justice Hill. Um, so if I can buy Gus Edwards for um, – with this draft type, an early third round pick, I would do that. Um, I think he has. Uh, stop it, Nick. I can see your face. This I is mean, a video an early chat. third is is expensive for. I mean, basically, a guy that can't catch passes. I I think we're talking about the backfield, like like the guy is there that's going to be the guy. Right. Uh, are, are we really relying on Justice Hill or Gus Edwards when it comes to championship week and we're plugging them in? Exactly. Hell no. So I I really do think, like Nick said initially, that they will probably address it, N not with anything expensive. It's going to be one of these guys we talk about later. Uh, it just what, what about Lamar Jackson? I'm gonna bring up Lamar Jackson just because the man is at the top of the world, fantasy I, 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 production wise. I, I'll I'll give you Lamar Jackson, and then we'll roll to Kane's home state. 
Lamar Jackson simple. Everybody won this weekend. All the people that wanted to see that balloon pop because there's been so much hype and just people don't like hype and they want to be the old man get off my lawn guy because they don't like the way that he plays that the position. <laughs> I was going to say Randy. But so. Yeah, it, it, it had been me. But, you know, I'm younger than Randy. This is true. But, but from a fantasy standpoint yesterday, I think he had like 30 fantasy points. So here's the thing. He can make everybody happy. The stodgy old guy like me, sometimes like Nick, we, we can get what, what we want and say this is, you know, not quite what the NFL is transitioning to. But you can also be the fantasy guy who loves Lamar Jackson and thinks he's still worth a high pick. And everybody was right. So Lamar Jackson, he's a little expensive for me uh, in Dynasty right now, especially in Superflex. But I, I'm still a big fan. And, and with only doing like a handful of small playoff challenges, it's just fun to watch that dude play football. So uh, I'll tell you who didn't have fun with football yesterday, and that was my poor friend Kane, because he hails from the great state of Minnesota. Kane, what are you doing with Dynasty for the uh, the Vikings? I just want to say, in my defense of watching that game, I was at a beer expo while that was happening, so I was easily distracted from the crap that the Vikings were putting on display yesterday. But... I think I'm I'm selling Delvin Cook. Um, I think now is the perfect time to sell Delvin Cook. Um, I I just don't trust. I'm getting weird faces from Randy right now, um, but I I'm a true Minnesota guy, and I just don't really trust Delvin Cook in another season of that offense. I don't think he's going to put up the same level of production that he put up this year. And if you're expecting that, you're going to be disappointed and you might as well sell high on on a guy like that. He's entering his final year of a contract. Who knows? Uh, Minnesota is terrible with the cap right now. Um, so some really tough decisions are going to be made. And I think dynasty-wise, he's only going to have the most value on a team that runs outside zone. And um, I don't think he's going to find a lot of success if he isn't with Minnesota long-term. Hey, Kane, do you think he's going to hold out? No. I, I could see him holding out. I, I kind of agree with Nick. I mean, this is a guy who's, I mean, I'm not taking a cheap shot at this point, but he's got an, a, a pretty significant injury history. And he may want to try to, you know, secure that money before playing another snap. And I, and I wouldn't blame him. Because he's, he's a self-aware guy, I'm sure. He's like, man, i got, I got to lock this up. I mean, he was a second-round pick, so he's making you know good money compared to all of us, but he's not making elite NFL money. But I will just say this because I see, according to the show sheet, uh, someone else has Dalvin Cook as a sell. He would be my sell as well. Is anyone not selling Dalvin Cook? I would have said it before this season, and unfortunately he decided to make me look real stupid when I was saying that up until you needed him your championship week, and guess what he did? That boy let you down. It's not that he's not talented. It's We had this conversation today. I mean, we could, we could let's talk about Kerryon Johnson. Same sort of thing. Talented guy. You got to play. Uh, Aaron Jones, up until this season, dude, you got to play. It's just, it's. I, I can love the talent and you know, we're going to talk about prospects all we want. And I bet every single one of these guys like Dalvin cook to an extent because he's talented when he has the ball. But when it comes to me beating my friends in fantasy football and rubbing their nose in dirt, if he's not on my team, he doesn't help me do that. And that's, that's a sell, especially when the, the perception, the common narrative around him is that he's an elite back. I can get more money. It's more sizzle than steak. 
Well, let me ask yeah, you so this. So I actually just sold Delvin Cook. So I'll tell you what I got for him. Um, so I ended up getting in uh, one quarterback league, the 103, the, 11, the 111, uh, Darius Geis, and a 2021 second-round pick. I don't hate Sold. it, but I'm a Geis guy. I, I'm a Geis guy. So Was it, was it a, a super flex league? No, one quarterback. No, that's right, because we, we talked about this one offline. I, I still love it. You're going to get a young running back to replace him, equally talented if not more talented based on what we've seen of this class so far. The other pick was the 111. Yep. So you're going to get a really good wide receiver, maybe another running back there. And, and Geis, and, you know, are, I don't remember, are you rebuilding or trying to retool a bit in that league? Nope. My team's really good. Oh, well, good for you. All right. Mm-hmm. Listen, well, you, you I'll hold the bag right there. Can, can I just add in that as, like, the most anti-Geis person around the rookie draft, like the most hated person because I point out negative things about Geis to the point where he blocked me on Twitter? <clears throat> I would take that trade. What a that bully. just makes sense. You're such a bully, man. Right. And then my, my favorite part is that I doubled up because I also had Madison, and the d- guy didn't come for Madison in the deal. So then I sold Madison to him. And Nick and I actually talked about this one. And I so I sold Madison and a 2024 fourth round pick, or 2021 fourth round pick for Rashad Penny. So I'm at least going to shoot for the stars and uh, just hope that I find a little bit of value there. So So basically... Uh, you you sent Madison and a one dollar scratch off ticket for for a guy with a first round draft capital. Uh, it, it could be worth something, but we'll see. Who is your buy real quick before we jump into Houston? Um, on the on the Vikings, yes, sir. Um, I don't really have. I, one. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not really buying a whole lot of people on the offense. I guess it'd be Kirk Cousins. Well, let, let me ask Nick because Nick and I have the same guy who we're buying. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I would say Madison, we'd already talked about him, and I think we know why. But the other one is Irv Smith Jr. I think he's super talented. I know that Kyle Rudolph signed a contract there. But, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there with the, a new OC. And tight end is one of those positions where you constantly have to have depth and hope one of them breaks out. That That's basically the strategy. Like, you know, you could have had Tyler Higby for, like, two peanuts. You know what I mean? Like, whatever you just get anybody you know Janu Smith's another one you know what I mean like go go give somebody a ham sandwich and go get Janu Smith like you're gonna get all these guys and hope one of them breaks out Irv Smith is that guy for me because I liked him at Alabama it's an offense I think that won't um he won't get all the targets obviously but he won't get all the attention either and he's the guy I think that is dirt cheap right now that's super talented I'm looking at his uh new contract and there's I don't want to say it's favorable but there's some money they could save uh, with the cap by cutting Kyle Rudolph. It, it seemed like almost like they were paying him a bonus, but I know from talking to a good friend of the show who's also a fellow Minnesotan, uh, Dan Williamson, uh, last week's guest, as a matter of fact, he always tells me what a, what a good member of the community that Kyle Rudolph is and how ingrained he is there. So it may be another year or two, but I am 100% on the Irv Smith bandwagon. I'll take the Houston Texans. Uh, I agree with uh, Nick on this as well, because I, I can see Nick's comments. I'm buying Deshaun Watson. What, whatever I need to pay without being an egregious overpay for him in a super flex league, I think it's worth it. I even bought him last year in a one QB league where I lost Andrew Luck and only had Sam Darnold. I'm a big fan. Uh, I really, really have to sit down and like think through an offer. Obviously, it's going to be a package offer probably with some picks and some other players because you're not really going to 
be able to do that unless the, the person just happens to have a, an, an awesome fleet of QBs. Uh, the cell, the cell for me, if you can get anything for Will, Will Fuller, I mean, the guy's made out of old shoestring and chandelier parts. I know he's good when he's on the field, but that's the problem. Uh, and as I always say, every league has one. Every league has a Notre Dame fan. So find that guy. During the during the rookie draft, try to get you a, a little little draft pick. I would love to get I would love to get any second for him. Uh, you might have to be listening for that, you know, early third. But if you just want to be done with the Will Fuller uh, experiment, I would not blame you. Uh, anybody else with Watson? I, I see Nick. You have Hopkins on there. Uh, what you got with that? Yeah, so Hopkins is my cell. Um, basically, um, I think it was three years ago. I can't remember if that's right. Three years ago or not? I had. Antonio Brown and I got him right before his breakout in one dynasty league and he carried me to a title and just you know points championships whatever I mean Antonio Brown honestly for all the off the field stuff has been the greatest fantasy wide receiver I think of our generation if you've had him he just carried you it was amazing but it was reaching that point where he was at that age and I'm like "Mm, this is about the max you know where he's at and DeAndre Hopkins is in that same realm he turns 28 this offseason right is he going to have a good 28-year-old season, a good 29-year-old season? Probably. But if I can cash in and go get a 23, 24-year-old stud, I'm going to do it. And what I did with Brown is I paired him up with, now hear me out, Kevin White after his second year in the NFL, okay? And I got Mike Evans. And that obviously has worked out great. And not all of them work out that way. In theory, but, I like what you were going for. I right. mean, it, sometimes you're going to miss on those guys. but Right, right. But, but if you can do that, I think this is the year that you do that with Hopkins. And what if you trade up Hopkins and you got a Godwin? Or you got some other super young guy where they've done it. Well, maybe not Godwin's the good example. Maybe a guy that's done it for two years, so they're a little bit safer like Evans was. And, you know, hopefully it's a net gain, but you gain like four years of production. I, I want to hit with two things with what you said there. One, you're right. Antonio Brown was the most consistent wide receiver that I can remember since Marvin Harrison because Marvin Harrison had a run there of like eight straight seasons of 1,000 yards and, and 10 TDs, but Antonio Brown was special. And I will agree with selling DeAndre Hopkins unless unless your team is a stone-cold lock contender for 2020. You know we always say don't lie to yourself about where your team is. If you're not a, le- a legit contender this coming year, sell him because Nick's absolutely right. You could get, you could get a AJ Brown plus a 2020 draft pick, maybe even more than that because he's Deandre Hopkins. He had a great game today in in spite of the the rib issue. So I I can get behind all that. And then lastly, we want to talk about Seattle, Jerry, what what do you got going? Can can I, can I butt in here? Memphis? Absolutely not. Yes. Go ahead. That's fair. All right. (laughs) No, I, I think the, the cheapest buy on that entire team is going to be Kahali Waring. Um, if if you are in a spot where you need any tight end help, um, you could you could be getting him for a fourth round pick in this draft, um, and so you might as well sit on him. I know he's had some concussion issues and some injury um, concerns in the past, but the guy's extremely athletic. Um, he was in college, and I think he has a chance to kind of be that guy next year as soon as he comes back healthy. Um, instead of them just using two tight ends, I think it could just slim down to just Kahali Waring, and I think he would he would have a decent amount of success. Uh, I was I, actually a pretty big fan of him uh, preseason too, but to sort of piggyback off of what Randy was going for with the Seattle, I, I, Kane Kane's buy is Penny. 
we we just heard about that. Am, am I wrong with that, my friend? No, I th- I think this is the cheapest that you're going to get him. I right, listen, right now you can't get him for a cheaper price. Um, so you might as well hell just kind of throw some people over there and and see if anyone will just take just about any starting player for Penny. Right here's the uh, the thing we have going on about Rashad Penny. What do you look like come next season? Because there we have a certain weight threshold. Randy, what is our weight threshold here? Uh, remind me. That is 225 pounds. If you are one chicken nugget over 225 pounds, then Rashad Penny, you cannot be on my fantasy team. Unless you so, have. Unless does that mean I have to leave then? <laughs> no, no, you can be on our dynasty show, just not on our dynasty roster. Unless, oh, unless your name's Derrick Henry. But proceed. If, I'm easily not, pushing past that 225. Because if my man comes through looking Eddie Lacy, no, no. I, I just can't do it. And listen, I was a Rashad Penny guy. And I was not a Chris Carson guy because I'm a dope and I'm a sucker and draft capital. Shut up, Nick. God, no. It's just, I, I really thought first round pick, they're going to give him all the workload. And then Chris Carson starts fumbling it. Rashad Penny, why you got to crap your pants, man? Why you got to just, why you got to spit in my face like that and disrespect me? So he is my buy because he's cheap. Hey, not Jerry. Because I think he's going to set the world on fire. Randy. Can I jump in for a quick second? Yeah. You know, you can get herpes pretty cheap, too, but I don't want either. I'm going pa- <laughs> to pass them both. That's a none for me. Uh, all right. Well, Wait, that's, su- that's so, super creepy. This show took a weird turn real of, quick. Of course it did. What, what else? What, you want a poop sandwich? But but let's let's jump over to let's jump over to, to who are you, you buying then? If, I'm sorry. Who are you selling? Excuse me. If you're if you're if you're selling him or buying him. That's who, who am I selling in that? Probably lock it. But I've never really been a Lockett guy, so it's sort of unfair for me to suggest that because he's just never been one of my guys. If one of you guys is a Lockett guy, now would be a good time to bury me. All right. Cricket says everything I need to. I, I, I don't mind selling Lockett. I actually was impressed by that answer. He's had a couple of nice seasons. He had like some ups and downs. He had the calf injury. It of course depends on DK Metcalf's three cone time in the offseason, but the the, the best. Well, I mean, you. But if you add in this playoff game too, people are going to see this playoff game. Lockett, you know, scored a couple times. He had a big game. That's the one thing. If it's a national televised event and people see it and people do well, their price is going to rise. Uh, fellas, I saw a trade poll yesterday. Uh, someone in this industry asking if one game affected Dalvin Cook's dynasty value. That is the level that we're dealing with at times. As, as, <laughs> as, as, I know the listeners as, can't see Nick's face. But as, 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 dynasty, glory. as dynasty analysts, and I'm not taking a shot, this, this, whatever, but th- that's the thing. Nick's exactly right. Last thing you see is the last thing they remember. All they remember is that Tyler Lockett had seven catches for 130 yards and a score or two in that game against Green Bay. Oh, yeah, he's still really good. Oh, yeah, he's still the wide receiver one there. You know, DK Metcalf, he only had four for 59. He's not as good as I thought. Yeah, I want that Lockett guy. Well, he, he well, hasn't been as good as I thought he was. Oh, here. I, was, I don't like DK. Oh, well, 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 here, don't all right, that. well, hold on, hold on. Don't, well, come on. Come on. Let me hear it. Why, what do you, listen, yeah, I, was we'll make not time for huge, this. I was not a huge fan of DK, you know, coming out. He landed in Seattle and you could have seen how excited I was from a mile away if I was wearing sweatpants. So I want to hear what you got going on. What, yeah. I, what, what did he do that really 
I don't know. So, Maybe. so let, let me just explain my thought process at the beginning of the season as soon as he was drafted. Um, so it, I, I obviously think that the talent was there. His injury history just concerned me. Um, regardless of if you believe them to be fluke injuries or what have you, like that's still concerning. I, I know I can pull the uh, old Nick Whalen line. I'm not a doctor, but I have to at least like – have that in my evaluation a little bit I don't and, and i know that that he obviously went to a perfect spot um but i'm i would still sell him right now because i don't think he's ever going to be worth more than he is right now how, how many rookie wide receivers at age 22 get 900 yards on 100 targets which i think isn't that many to get 900 yards and then go 160 in the He's just building, I think, continually building. And I think that it depends on what you can get, right? I think that adds the context to this. But DK Metcalf, and I know Lockett was a little banged up, took over that passing attack. Even tonight, I thought he looked really good in this Packers game. He caught a reception, and I thought he was going to go right out of bounds. But turns, and for a big player, I think he's 6'3", 230, turns and accelerates up the side and got another 10 yards i was like oh my goodness right so and it's it's not as much that like i'm not saying he's not talented but i just think value wise i don't know how much more he's ever going to be worth than he is right now but what i want to ask, ask both of you what is yeah yeah what what is his ceiling yardage with Russell 1100 Wilson? yards is yeah, probably with, a ceiling. With, what was it 1100 nick oh you, no way he, he could be be a 1,400-yard guy if they start opening up that offense to Wilson and let him throw more than 450 times a year. I, I agree with all involved. I'm not the biggest DK guy in the world either, but that's a team A. You've got Russell Wilson who can scramble around and make time, and, and he can get you those big bombs. And, and DK has shown me that he has the ability to work on his craft and the ability to play all 17 games uh, in, um, I guess 18 games, including the, the divisional round loss. And so he stayed healthy. He worked on his craft. I continued to see a, a, a few wrinkles to his game throughout the season. If he works that hard in the offseason, and based on his conditioning, he probably will, you know, and he works with a really good route running coach or whoever, man, th the sky's the limit for this guy. So has his value peaked? I don't think so. It's pretty good right now. It's probably a first plus, but I, I think the upside's. Ba boom. So anyway, that's not why we're can, here. Can I throw a stat out there? Yeah, this? sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. And this is just me throwing this off the top of my head. So if someone like misquotes me on this, like, I'm sorry. But so in the first eight games of the year, DK Metcalf had one game over 70 yards receiving. In the last half of the year, including the playoff game, there's one, two, three, four, five, six games over 70 yards. That shows a guy that is continually getting better. And I don't see that he's getting a crazy amount more of targets. I think he's just getting better. And I saw someone earlier that showed a route tree early in this season and a route tree late in this season. And it got much more complex, which as you guys are talking to, it speaks to him learning and getting more of the playbook. And I just don't know. I, I, it depends on what you can get. If you can get something, some crazy price, I'm not sure I'm going to disagree with you. Cause again, this is a value game, like a stock market for me. And I always want to, you know, sell high and buy low. Right. But yeah, I that, think he's that's, that's my main point. Is like I'm only talking value wise. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not talented because obviously he is. I'm just saying I just don't know how much his value is going to go up. And if if I'm wrong, that's all right. 
but I still am probably sold them for a decent amount. What's the value though? Tell me the value you're selling. So I would, I would sell him for what rookie pick 103 or DK Metcalf. I would take the 103. Yeah. 105. Um, in a super flex league. Yeah. Why not? I would take DK there. Nick. See, I think I might take the pick there. So I'm thinking, you know, I would always value I so running backs. Well, if you think he has a 1400 yard ceiling and mm-hmm. then you want the pick. Yeah. But you got, you got Burrow and Tua who I love in super flex and Swift ETN and Taylor. Like that's, and I like lamb a lot too. So I, I think super flex changes that, but I mean, if you say he just got 900 yards in six in 160 in the playoffs, and 1100 is ceiling. I, I 200 yards from his rookie year to the rest of his career, I think, is not accurate to the ceiling. Uh, right, but I I don't think Tyler Lockett's going away, right? Because he just signed the the extension was it last year or two years ago, um, so he's not going away for a little while. Um, if if you want to hate me for my for my DK take, that that's all right. But I'm at least going to take the value now. That's fine. You're, you're going bird in the hand, but I want to leave this DK and start getting into some of these 2020 rookies, but I want to leave D- the DK note on this. Hold your victory lapping from week to week because all the same people that were crowing about DK's 7 for 160 last week, I didn't hear anything when he posted a big old goose egg in week 16 at the Fantasy Championships. That was 0 for 0. So you know what? As good as last, as good as last week was, the week 16, when you needed him the most, if you were a dynasty owner, he, he gave you the least. So just hold the victory laps, guys. It's, it's a long career. It's a long season. We're glad you're engaged. We're ga- glad you're playing dynasty. But here we go. We are talking 2020 rookies. Uh, our, we're going to do three categories tonight. Three. We're going to do our by any means necessary rookie. What is a by any means necessary rookie? That is a rookie that you will do your damnedest not to leave your rookie draft without. We have your no chance in hell rookie. That would be the rookie that you will not walk away from a draft with based on their current projected value. And remember, there's never, I'm not going to ever roster this guy. It's, I'm not going to roster this guy at his current cost. And this last category is going to sound like it's got a curse word in it, but I'm just imitating Connor McGregor. That's who the fook is this guy? Because you, you may not know them. You may not know the names unless you're a hardcore uh, Debbie degenerate like Kane or Nick. But speaking of Kane, Kane, who is the guy that you are not walking away from by any means necessary in rookie drafts in 2020? Yeah, so I, I went with some deep cuts here so Nick doesn't yell at me too much um, because I know we have disagreements about kind of like this back half of the first round, early second round. Um and, and that's totally how it's going to be. The tiers with these players are so close in, in their tiers that it's really hard. We're just basically splitting hairs on some of these guys. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a guy that um, right now is about a late second, early third round guy, um, probably more in that third round. And that's Trey Sermon running back out of Oklahoma. Um, I believe he probably has the second or third best vision in this entire um, running back class. I think he's very, very talented. Um, and at the current price, I will be very, very happy um, taking him taking him there. I know he's just coming off of a knee injury, and that's why that stock is going to be a little bit down. 
but I'll I'll take my shot on a guy that's extremely talented. All right. What's the price? I'll say Nick. Well, you said a, a late second, early third, and then I was going to ask you, what do you think about, about that early price? third? Nick, what do you got? Because you're you're the the other uh, and Jerry is too, for that matter. Debbie specialist. Go ahead, Nick, and then Jerry. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just not a big fan of Trey Sermon. I mean, he was my 18th running back going into this season. Um, I don't think that he's a quick twitch guy at all. Um, I don't disagree on the vision. I think he's got some decent vision. I think that he's, I think he's kind of a poor version to J.K. Dobbins. If you really want to have a, have a comp, uh, my NFL comps to him was somewhere between a, Shon- a Sony Michelle and a Jordan Howard. But earlier in the episode, I already spoke to those pass catching things, and that's not something Trey Sermon does. I understand in college, not a lot of running backs catch a ton of passes. But I don't know that he's that talented. Again, he's a bigger back. He's 224. He brings a lot of power with that. But coming off a knee injury, not being super twitchy, he's just not a guy I want to, you know, uh, you know, I can't think of the word here. Uh, get my horse, like latch my horse to my wagon. You know what I mean? Whatever. I don't want to, I don't want to get on that train with Trey Sermon. Jerry. Yeah, and to go to go on the on the catches thing, um, he did post over a I think it was about a 73, 74% catch rate. Um, his three years at Oklahoma, so he he can catch the ball. Um, I I just don't think he was used as much in that offense, just the way that 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 scheme is ran. They're not really asking guys to do that very often. Um, but I'll I'll let Jerry talk since it's his podcast. Uh, no, you are good. I promise you, both of you, I will be writing down more stuff than I talk about today, because while I do have several Devi rosters. And I do actually hate some of the players you guys hate, and I like some of the guys you like. I am just picking your brains because I am so unbelievably lazy when it comes to this. I will gladly let you do the work. That's why, guess who has the Devi report pulled up right now on their phone <laughs> staring at it? And you know how much of that work I had to do? Not a damn thing. Thank you, Nick Whalen. No, and, and, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. All you guys. So I... I got nothing to add. I'm going to be listening. I, can I add this and this? So the, the one thing I struggle with is when, when you can compare a running back to another running back from the same team, it's tough for me to really get behind it. I mean, Kennedy Brooks on the same Oklahoma team in 2018 averaged four more yards per carry than Trey Sermon. Now, again, they're different. Term, I think, uh, I'm sorry, three more yards per carry. That's <laughs> not four, three. But that's significant. I know Kennedy Brooks is a little bit more quick twitch than Trey Sermon. But when I'm always thinking of fantasy teams, I'm not saying Trey Sermon can't be an NFL back. I'm just thinking of who can be this guy that can be someone I could maybe plug and play. I don't think either of these guys, I don't think Kane's going to disagree, is someone that's going to be some elite starter. I think this is going to be hopefully an RB3 uh, injuries, bye weeks. Maybe you plug them in. Maybe they get a timeshare, something like that. But it's tough for me to get behind a guy that doesn't catch a ton of passes, which he caught 20, or I'm sorry, 36. Trey Sermon did in his three-year career. He was injured. I understand that. That's not a lot. And isn't quick twitch. So he's going to have to get those goal line touches. He's going to have to get a lot of volume, I think, to get fantasy production. All right, Nick. Well, then roll right into your guy. Uh, C.D. Lamb. And I know that's kind of, you know, uh, almost chalk. But I do have to apologize, I think, on air because I know he listens to your podcast every week. CD, I did not give you the respect that you deserved. And when I watch, you know, all the games that he does, he he changed. He was good last year, but he was just a man this year for breaking tackles and 
not wanting to go down and his yards per reception for a guy that's not, he's not Hollywood Brown. He's not outrunning, you know, in a four, three manner or whatever Brown ran at the combine. He's just good in so many facets. He high points the football. He's physical. He's good with his vision after reception. I think he runs good routes. He's a hands catcher. There's, he is such a well-rounded game that he's my wide receiver one hands down. And I'm not sure why he's not that way for everyone. I know Jerry Judy's a big fan of a lot of people and they love his, you know, those, uh, his stemming at the top of routes and his sexy ways he makes people miss. But I want the well-rounded guy. You know, C.D. Lamb is almost like that Devonte Adams type player. And you know what? Devonte Adams just does really good. He did good in the playoff game I just watched. He's done good in his NFL career. C.D. Lamb is just like that where he's so well-rounded, I don't know how he can't hit in the NFL, and I'm going to get him on every roster that I can. Jerry, uh, we know this guy. Even I know C.D. Lamb, but uh, it's why we have Nick and Kane on, and we'll have a lot more experts on like these guys. C.D. Lamb, what do you got? I was going to put C.D. Lamb, but I sort of thought Nick would pick him because I looked at the Debbie report, so I sort of guessed it was coming. Uh, And then I got lucky because I figured we would talk about him at some point. He's awesome. it's hard for me to put him one because us Jerry's have to stick together. I mean, Jerry Sandusky really ruined the name for a lot of us. So I really got to stick with Jerry Judy, but CD lamb is awesome. And he, he's much bigger than I really thought he was. I didn't, you watch him play. I mean, you say he's not Hollywood Brown. He's got some of that. Just see ya later, homie. But he's, and he's, he's six, one, six, two. I think he's pretty big. Uh, but my guy, he took a little bit of a hit, you know. Everybody wants to talk to you about DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. And they're forgetting that Travis Etienne's good back. I mean, let's talk about a dude. Let's look at his production this year. 1,500 rushing yards. You know how many times he got over 17 carries in a game? I'll let you know. Zero. Not a one. And it had 1,500 yards. He's got almost 400 yards receiving. I know. The ACC did not exactly play defense, but this man plays in big-time games. He has played against big-time opponents, and he has been good consistently throughout his career. He's a lightning bolt. He's hyper-productive. I I just like Travis Etienne, and I really think he's going to get disrespected come draft time because there's always those two guys because everyone wants to talk about Swift, and everyone wants to talk about Jonathan Taylor. And if Travis Etienne ends up in a situation that maybe is a little subpar, I really think his value or his perception will take a hit. And I'm going to scoop that bad boy up every time because I trust the talent. If there's one thing that guys like, you know, Nick Chubb taught me, don't always buy into the situation that they're in because talent will win out. Nick, shoot. So I I just have to go in. I I think Travis Etienne is so underrated right now in this running back group. And I don't know why he's gotten more hate than Swift than Taylor, as you said, than Dobbins, who's getting all of the love right now. And I put this tweet out um, on Christmas because I I celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve with my family. So if you wonder why I'm tweeting on Christmas, it's because I had nothing else to do. And I love Twitter. Um, Etienne averaged eight yards per carry in his entire college career. Eight. That's insane. If you want to look at some of the greats over the years, Gurley and Chubb and some of these great prospects, they didn't average eight. So he averaged eight yards per carry. Okay. He, which is, which is significantly better than Taylor, which is 6.7. Dobbins was 6.1. Swift was 6.6. He had 493 carries, which was less than all three of them. 
some of them significantly looking at you, Jonathan Taylor. Okay. And he had the most touchdowns. Most of them, when you get those touchdowns, it's those short yardage ones and it affects your yards, right? But he still had the eight yards per carry. Jerry had talked about the, you know, the conference that he's in. I understand that. Okay. But those are unbelievable numbers. And then when you watch the film, see, people, uh... don't, people don't give him credit. Well, he's got the speed, but I really like the way that he is patient and he's under control and he makes his cuts and reads his blocks. I think people don't give him credit for how he cuts and how tough of a runner he is. He has those other things besides the speed that people don't give him credit for. I don't know why he's getting underrated. So I'm with you, Jerry. And we sort of talked about DK Metcalf growing as a player earlier. You know, one of the big hits that was on him was he just wasn't really involved in the passing game. You saw five reception his freshman year. You saw 12 his sophomore year. And all less than 100 yards total for the entire season. This year comes out 32 catches, 396 yards, four touchdowns. But I, that's a that's a all-around guy. Uh, Kane, anything to add on Travis Etienne? I will just say this little bit on him. He is, as I'm getting into my study and my, my work on this class, he has so far been my absolute favorite player to watch. And he, he looks so chill when he's running the ball. Even in traffic, as like he's you know making his next move. He's like, okay. I'll just run by you now. But anyway, Kane, what do you got on Travis? Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to play devil's advocate a little bit just because I want people to just have a little more of a clear picture. Um, so before the uh, semifinal game, the two best defenses that he faced, he put up 3.3 yards per carry and then 3.4 yards per carry. Um, against Texas A&M and South Carolina, respectively. And those were the best defenses that he faced. Um, so I just want to at least have that in, in the conversation. That, and so he, he, that he did struggle rushing them. against Ohio State also. Now, he tore them up in the passing game, but uh, to your credit. But continue. I just wanted right. to – because you, you are right when it comes to that. I, I think the other thing that um, people don't realize, unless you were actually watching um, some of the Clemson games, is that he – it, does anyone want to guess how many touches he had in the fourth quarter in all games? It's probably not many. Here, seven. <laughs> he had seven <laughs> just, touches in all fourth quarters every before the, they played. Right. So, so obviously, was he was he really great? Yes, he was. He was amazing against weaker competition. Struggled against some of the better competition. Um, we saw that, and and a little of that that Texas A and M game happened earlier in the season, um, where we did see Trevor Lawrence struggle a little bit, and I think that was that was part of the issue that Trevor Lawrence couldn't open up the pass game, couldn't open up the run game. Um, so I think I think that's a little bit of it. Um, but we also have to just keep in mind that he wasn't really playing all four quarters of these games um and he only had what 48 total touches in the third quarter of all games so he's are those not... negatives what's that are those negatives to him i don't know what you're asking me is it a negative that he doesn't get fourth quarter touches no negative no that... not at all i'm just i'm just more trying to give like the clear picture it's like so he's gotcha. not playing a full game basically it's like he's only getting seven touches in the fourth quarter so obviously that that skews part of the stat well, watchers um well, I, I would think i would think he would roll in the fourth quarter a speed guy when defenses get wore down i think his numbers would go up but so here's my counter to that he went uh he had 14 rushes for 86 yards 6.1 yards per carry two touchdowns and one reception for a touchdown in the national championship game last year against alabama 
So if he can't compete against good teams this year, which is where I fell in love with like kind of last year, you know, I don't think it's like him beating a bunch of bad guys. I'm not, I'm I'm not saying I don't like Etienne. I'm just, I at least wanted people to have a clear image of kind of what was happening this season. Obviously, like games at like Wofford, where he went nine for two twelve. Right, right, right. Well, that's why he just, yards he just hits carry. the edge and told him to piss it off. <laughs> yeah. So, but let me ask you this, Kane: Do you think that he's getting more disrespected than Taylor Swift Dobbins? Yes. Why? And I, I don't know. Like, well, I'm just. I, I don't know why. I don't know why people are are down on him a little more than they should be. Um, I'm, I'm obviously a fan of Etienne. He's a tier one running back for me. Um, I have him switching between three and four in my ranks. It seems like every hour, um, because every time you watch just a clip of, of either Dobbins or Etienne, you're like, all right, let's move that one to three. And then you see the other guy like, all right, so he's three again. And and you kind of just go, if he tears up the national championship game, he'll be the new hotness and that'll be through the off season. Well, uh, yeah. And I, I think part of the issue is um, they weren't really playing quality competition even later in the season. So there weren't as many, you know, big national televised games. Um, and if you, if you were a betting person at all and you didn't take Clemson in like every game this season, then I don't know what you were doing. But because <laughs> I think they hit the line on every game. Except that North um, Carolina game. So... <laughs> well, yeah, the North Carolina game is the only one that they didn't hit that line in, um, which I don't know what they were doing. And Sam Howell played an amazing game, but I digress. All right. Well, I'll jump in with my guy and I'm sure I'll get a little bit roasted for this, but I, I don't care because I'm a big fan of this guy. Uh, what? I, I wanted him to come out last year, but he didn't. So he's in this year's class. He's, uh, I would say, unanimously or close to the QB three in this class, but it's Justin Herbert. And this is a guy who's got a four-year player at Oregon. He's a 64% completion passer. So, you know, fairly accurate, not like Drew Brees, 74%. But I'll take a 64% completion percentage in college. Uh, he's got single uh, interceptions all four years in, in college. He's not a runner, but he's mobile. You know, he's not going to be compu- confused with Lamar Jackson, but he's also not going to be confused with, with Tom Brady. This guy averaged five rush attempts per game over 46 games uh, as a quarterback. Uh, he's a big sum bitch too. He's six foot six, 240, and that means kind of like Josh Allen, he can take a little bit of abuse. I, you know, if, if you're going to be mobile in the NFL, especially when you're coming out of the Pac-12 and not like an SEC, and you start getting busted around by NFL-sized bodies, it's good that he's got some some size to him. Uh, I'm interested in his combine metrics. I, I want to see things like the non-throwing drills. I, I, I want to see him run. I, I want to see him, you know, move a little bit more. Uh, he's currently mocked, depends on where you see mock drafts, anywhere from uh, six to the Chargers, seven to the Panthers, nine to the Jags, and I've even seen him as low as 12 to the Raiders or 13 to the Colts as a Colts fan. I would not hate this. The only one of those landing spots I would not be a big fan of would be the Jags for many a reason. But I, I, I like the kid. Um, you know, he's never going to, you know, be the impressive prospect that a, that a Trevor Lawrence is or that even Tua is. But I, uh, I, I like Mr. Herbert. Who wants to roast me first? Um, can I? May I? And please. 
Um, so I just want to bring up. So classy. Kane always comes in classy. Um, I, I just want to uh, drop just a little nugget of info. And I would like to tell you the NFL quarterbacks listed at 6'6 or taller at the Combine since 1999. And I'd just like to give you a little list here. Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Mike Glennon, Ryan Mallett, Joe Flacco, Sean Mannion, Jamarcus Russell, Byron Leftwich, Derek Anderson, Josh Freeman, Nate Sudfeld, and John Skelton. I heard two Pro Bowlers and a Super Bowl champion in there, but keep going. Yeah, oh, you mean just the one decent guy in there? Yeah, that's what I heard too. Um, so but, that, but, well, hold on, I'm, time I'm not out. saying that, I, that means anything, I want to call a time but out. I just happened to find that stat, you know, and I liked it. There had never been a quarterback in the NFL sub- five nine well, we got kyler murray running around out here looking like one of those make-a-wish kids so here so here, here we go and, and, and maybe i'll catch lucky and he'll measure in at the combine at six foot five and a half so uh outside of this man's height does anyone else have any uh, like mechanical issues uh things that you've seen on tape that you you do not like is this where i come in yes yes please <clears throat> tag okay. Okay, so thanks, Kane. You you bumped and said that one for me. Now I'll just tap yeah. it over the net. Yeah, and just bury, like bury Memphis's just wishes on Justin Herbert. Okay, my comp for him is is Mitchell Trubisky. And as a Bears fan, that's not a compliment. Justin Herbert is very inaccurate, and his completion percentage, while you listed it, was nice. They throw primarily hitches, slants, and screens all day. So if his if his completion percentage wasn't high, I'd be very concerned. Even with that completion percentage, he throws in areas that don't that aren't advantageous for his receiver. It's behind, it's high, it's low, and he just cannot consistently put that together. And in my report for him, I wrote all this up and I said, "Hey." 